Spooky. Okay, and the story begins. All right. So chapter 24. We're going to do the first half of 24 today. Was it the first half or first third? I don't know. There's a lot to talk about tonight. Yes. So it's page 269. So uh, what's, what's, what, tra- what has transpired? Uh-oh. You still with us? John? I'm still here. Why? Oh, I got a, no. a poor I, connection. I hear you. I got a poor connection notice that came up. Are you, are you on the Wi-Fi? Am I? Oh, I, I, let me just check. I should be. Because this has no ability to be standalone. Okay. So chapter 24, page 269. So what's up? What's up? Well. delusional. Okay. <laughs> Who are you calling delusional? <laughs> there's the delusional spirit. But before we get there, there's the power of sin. In chapter 23... We spoke about the impact of mitzvahs, the impact of Torah study. Mitzvahs and Torah study is not just cultural observances, it's not just information, but both of those things actually represent connection. A mitzvah is like a body for a soul. And just like when you see a body, what you really see is a person, you don't count, which is why we, might be the reason why we don't count people in Judaism. Um, we look, we're not looking at bodies, we're looking at people, which is a body and soul together. And similarly, when you have the body of a mitzvah, which is a, whatever the Torah tells us to observe, the act of putting on tefillin, for example, the act of lighting Shabbos candles, for example, the act of um, putting up a mezuzah, or whatever, 610, or 200, whatever, mitzvahs <laughs> we're referring to, those are bodies for the soul of God to reveal God in this world. And then with Torah study, we took it a step further. We're not just, because it's not just battle to God, it's actually a total union with Him. It's the difference between being listening to your spouse, following your spouse's commands, to being intimate with your, with your spouse. But bottom line, chapter 23, Torah and mitzvahs represent a very deep, connection and revelation of God in a, in a physical world. Chapter 24. Now, before you, before you get there, I was hoping you could clarify something for me, mm-hmm. which has to do with chapter 24, but um, when, I, when I think about what, was, what chapter 24 was trying to say, I, I tried to put it in the context of, okay, this is, chapter 24 is going to try to describe the exact opposite of what was going on in chapter 23 or, you know, right? And, and, what, and what, what chapter 23 was all about, well, a lot about, was that, okay, so we have the ability to do mitzvahs through our garments, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know our, our thought, speech, and action, they get engaged in the performance of mitzvahs. When we study Torah, it's like everything merges. Everything completely is unified with God. There is only God at that time, right? Okay. So, did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, so now in chapter twenty-four is going to is is going to try to explain the exact opposite of of, of that situation, right? True. False. So is your question, what is the parallel to Torah study well, in the world of Klippa? what is the exact opposite of Torah study? In the world of Klippa. Right, right. Because, I, you, know, you know, Torah study is a very um, okay. uh, focused, uh, so it's like I can put my finger on that and say, there's the Torah, I'm going to study it, I'm going to study God's word. What's the opposite of that? It's, it's you know, as far as like uh, uh, to pick something to put your finger on, you know, it's, it's like, here, here here's... Everything that is good, but it's hard to put your finger on everything that is not good. It's so a good speak, question. Right? He, he, it's a good question. Interesting. I didn't think of that honestly. The way I understand it, though, in chapter twenty-three, there's 
the bittel through a mitzvah, I'm subservient to something bigger than myself, or there's the Torah study, I'm part of something bigger than myself. The opposite of that, he doesn't make it two different steps when it comes to the negativity. When it comes to the negativity, there's just, are you connected or not? If I'm transgressing God, whether it's intellectual like Torah or whether it's behavioral, a mitzvah, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm creating a disconnection. Okay. Because when, 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 I, when I think about chapter 24, I mean, when I think about chapter 23, I think, about, okay, there's all these mitzvahs I can do. But then there's Torah study, which, which is like the end-all, be-all kind of thing, right? Okay. So, so when I think about what's trying to be described in chapter 24, they're not trying to make a comparison on the opposite end of Torah study. They're trying to make a comparison on the opposite end of, well, here you are doing all, this, all, doing all these misfits. Exactly. Right? But on the opposite side, here you are not doing all the right things you Ex- should be doing. Exactly. Not, not necessarily trying to like, well, what, what, what compares to like the study of Torah? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Right. Exactly, you got it. You got it. Now, something interesting. In other places, he doesn't get to, into it too much here in Tanya. Here, this chapter discusses the mechanics of a sin, right? Which we'll, we'll talk more about soon. The mechanics of transgressing what happens, right? When we do a mitzvah, we create a body for a soul. When we do a sin, we create a body for a klippa, which we'll talk about more about that. What happens when we don't do a sin? When we hold back? When, doesn't, we, when we don't do a sin. In other words, when I do a mitzvah, like chapter 23, if we look to the beginning of chapter 23, um, he, he explains how the 248 organs, limbs, correspond to the 248 positive mitzvahs. Mm-hmm. So when I do a mitzvah, I create a body f- for a God, right? To, cre- to reveal God in this world. And in chapter 24, when I do a sin, I create a body for klipa, for negativity. Okay, so there's a middle path though. What happens when I refrain from a sin? What am I accomplishing? Or not accomplishing? I don't, I don't create the klipa. So I don't create the klipa. I definitely don't. If I refrain from sin, I prevent negativity from coming but is that it or is there more well but it i mean refraining from a sin is god's will exactly refraining from sin is god's will and in fact let's take a look we're going to jump to to chapter 27 for a second Page, page 308, the fourth to last paragraph, and the sages of blessed memory taught. You guys see it? Mm-hmm. Page 308, chapter 27, and our sages of blessed memory taught, one who stays put in the face of temptation and does not transgress will be given the same reward as if he had actively performed the positive mitzvah. That's from the Talmud Tractate Kedushin. He quotes it in that chapter. We're going to get to that chapter in a while. Um, incredible chapter. Incredible shift. But our point here is that when we actively... So, so, so the chapter it could come off very negative, our chapter, chapter 24. You know, what's going on when we do a sin? But when we refrain from that sin, he doesn't get into it here so much. We're, it's as if we did a mitzvah. But... The Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, not in Tanya, but in another source, in, in a, which we'll read soon, actually says, refraining from, a, refraining from sin is actually greater than doing a mitzvah. Refraining Let that from sink a in. Sin. Refraining from a sin has a, a greater accomplishment, a greater connection to God than doing a mitzvah. So this... Um, well, okay, I have, I have two thoughts on that. In other words, it's not question. just, it's not just, okay, I'm not going to get in trouble. I didn't do anything bad, so I'm good. It's actually considered actively good, as we quoted in that Talmud. So, 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 so um, 
I, a question and, and, and a comment. Mm -hmm. I may have just lost one of those. Um, but uh, well, I'm not remembering one of them. But so so, so uh, but my my, my 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 question would would be um, so refraining from oh, oh okay so 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 when you say it like that it, it, it makes me think like well and I, and I don't believe this is true but it makes me think that well if, if refraining from a sin is better is not the right word what word did you use um, a, a deeper connection okay if, and if we'll explain the spiritual mechanics of that in a minute okay so so refraining from a sin is a deeper connection with Hashem than performing a mitzvah it almost implies that there's greater importance to refraining from a sin if it allows for a deeper connection. Now, I don't think that was the intention. You're saying if you had a, a choice if, between if, the two? If, if you refrain from a sin, God, God sees that... Better is not the word I'm looking for, but I'll just use it. God okay, sees that better than performing a mitzvah. Like, oh, you refraining from that sin means more to me than you doing that mitzvah. Now, I know that's not true. Well, but in, but in I, some I, ways... Hmm? Oh, I was just going to say, it kind of reminds me of something, I don't know if you said it once in, in our class or where I heard this, but uh, I think the Rebbe, Rebbe once said, and it might not be the exact words, but something like he was envious of a um, Balchuva because they, in order to get to where they were, so if you're already, if you're already saintly, then there's no, no challenge to overcome. Yeah, def very yeah, very well put. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. There's effort in, there's the effort that has to go in refraining from a sin. Yes. Um, although you could argue there's the effort that has to go into doing a mitzvah. Yes. Um, so, but good point. But. So 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 there 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 was that comment which I don't know if you ever responded. Well, well, even so, I think once we read, we're going to read text one in a minute, and I think okay. we'll clarify that that is the case. In other words, it's better if you have a choice: do what God wants, or don't do what God doesn't just, want. Or don't, and, or <laughs> yeah. In other words, neglect or defy. Which one's worse? Neglect, you didn't do something. Defy, you're actively actively right. Yeah. So refraining from defying is greater than actually performing a mitzvah, even halachically, by the way. In the strict letter of the law, how much money do you need to spend on a mitzvah? To, to, there, there's, to what extent do you need a, you know, I, I need a mezuzah, and the only way I can get a mezuzah is spending is by spending a billion dollars. Do I have to go into debt for the rest of my life to get a mezuzah? Oh, I see. Okay. Does, doesn't it depend on the mitzvah? So it. it in, on the, it may depend on the mitzvah, but the general rule of thumb, and it will depend, every case is different, but the general rule of thumb is to do a mitzvah actively, you have to spend up to a fifth of your earnings. 20%. Wow. 20% has to go toward that mitzvah. So if a pair of tefillin costs 20% of your income, you have to buy it. doesn't matter. It works me more than that. You may not have to buy it technically. Now, most people aren't going to do that. Even if you know you have plenty of people that are poverty stricken and, and are wearing tefillin, and, and we figure it out. You know what I mean. But in the strict letter of the law, on the technical level, how much money do you have to spend to refrain from a sin? More than that. It's more than twenty percent. It's a hundred percent. You have to do whatever it takes to not sin. Refraining from a sin is so much more valuable. Now that's on a halachic level but in Judaism when something is true on one level it's true on every level so it's true in halacha it's true in the spiritual mechanics as well let's explore this from a spiritual perspective um, text one on our sheets here sorry, sorry I didn't get to my question but uh, yeah yeah but it 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 uh, but, but still on, on that particular comment um, it that still gives me the feeling which I I'll say it, even though I think you're going to tell me I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> well, because per, per this discussion, but it's it's like if that is true, then I I had well 
my, 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 my simple approach to understanding this was that there are 613 commandments and Hashem values them all equally because they're all his will. Now, based on this discussion, I'm inclined to believe that my, that statement is false and that even though it's all, That's every one question. of 613 of those are God's will, that God is assigning priority here. That's a very good question. Right? So, so well, look, I'm we putting may, it out we, there, but I don't know if it's true. No, it's a good question, but, but you should have asked that question last week as well. Because okay. last week we brought the law that if you're, if you're studying Torah and you have the opportunity to do a mitzvah that someone else could do, right. you study Torah. Why? What's the difference if you stop Torah and do the mitzvah? Aren't they all equal? It's you're, a good question. You're absolutely right. But your question is still a very good question. Yeah. All I did was made your question stronger. I'm not, I didn't sure. say that to, to refute your no, question. No, no, I know. But actually, to, but to strengthen it. There, there's, in fact, it says... Have fun. There's... Okay, I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're, you are right. You guys okay. are doing well at those wafers. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? We're doing good at the wafers. <laughs> Oh. Even though it's just <laughs> I'm not even there. <laughs> okay, you are right, and you're wrong. The, the yes, yes, and no. There's okay. different. It, it depends which perspective. Okay. Well, what, so what, what was the question? I the, the question is: Are mitz are all the mitzvahs equal or no? So so in God in in God's eyes, he he has set forth six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs in the Torah. Some some positive, some. Ne- abstaining from negative I mean it's like, like you have you know we love all our children equally but the firstborn has more rights okay it doesn't mean that the firstborn is more important necessarily the firstborn is the firstborn There's, for, on some level the firstborn has more importance but if you zoom out they're all your kids does it make sense on a specific level each mitzvah is unique yeah if we zoom in to the meaning behind each mitzvah, and to the, the each mitzvah is unique. Um, if we, but at the end of the day, a mitzvah is a mitzvah. You're right. Which is more important, saving a life or keeping Shabbos? Saving a life. Saving a life. So, so they're not equal. Okay, good question. And that's a very good question. We're actually, okay, we're going to address that later in our chapter. It won't be tonight, it'll be next week. Good point. Okay, okay. you have to circle that, we're going to get back to that. So I have something okay. else to circle because I'm going to forget it because okay. somebody with a better memory, remember what I'm about to ask. We don't have to answer right now, but please, tonight, let's try to, let's try to address it. Um, so, so in, 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 and maybe we'll, we'll get to it soon, but my, my question was, um, this chapter very specifically made it clear that okay, um, there 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 uh, there is this uh, let's uh, let's say uh, uh, sort of looking for uh, there exists the possibility because uh, God has created Kleepus uh, for negative things to happen and 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 so okay there exists this possibility but that possibility is only given uh, uh, is, is only brought to life so to speak if somebody acts on it which makes the perpetrator worse than the clipus itself okay so so um, given that given you know that that description for chapter 24 I was trying to think about the analogous situation for the positive, like okay, so if so, if you have the you know, if, if as a perpetrator or something negative, you're worse than the than than, than the um, uh, I'm, I'm help me find okay, the so words here, but but the, I was thinking then the okay, clip itself, but then the clip itself because you're manifesting it because you're manifesting right. So on the positive side, okay, so you're manifesting holiness. You're manifesting holiness, which which would imply that you are greater. Uh, you know, on the flip side, you're greater than the help me find the word. Um, then the then then the godly light divine energy whatever whatever uh, yeah okay but nothing is greater than God so and I'm stuck again well right? that's the point you're rep- you are manifesting him okay and he is greater so so I guess in that sense then the the the, the garments through which we do positive mitzvahs the um, the, the only reason why you would be worse than Klippa is because Klippa was a theoretical concept 
that you just materialized through a sin, not you, that somebody materialized through a sin. God was a theoretical concept, a faith, a belief, that you materialized through a mitzvah. Okay, so, so there, there's my question. Um, we don't need to answer it completely right now, but I didn't want to forget. Okay. So was, it was, it's been in my mind since I read the chapter. Like, <laughs> Okay, I, let, let's see if... We'll circle that, and, and hopefully our, our discussion will, 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 will enlighten us. Okay. So just when it comes to, to what we're about to discuss right now, in chapter 23, if we do a mitzvah, we bring God in this world. In chapter 24, if we do an avera, if we do a sin, we bring klipa in this world. What happens if we don't do an avera? If we don't, if we're doing a mitzvah, right? If we refrain from sin, we're doing a mitzvah. And as we're going to read in the spiritual mechanics... Me mechanical um, perspective, if you will, that relationship is deeper than actually doing a mitzvah. Refraining from sin has a deeper connection than doing a mitzvah, which is probably why halachically you have to spend all your money to refrain from sin and you only have to spend some of your money to actually do a mitzvah. Text one, text one is an excerpt from Torah Or. Torah Or is a book of the Altar Rebbe, the author of Tanya's discourses on the Parsha. He has his Weekly discourses on the parsha. It's recorded in a book, Torah Or. Um, those are some of his discourses, a fraction of them. And here's what he says. The source of a negative commandment is so high that it cannot invest itself in a physical vessel as a positive commandment would. For example, the positive commandment of Tefillin or Esrog are physical vessels to express divine light. However... The divine light expressed through observing a negative commandment has no vessel that is able to contain it. Its light is so lofty that it can only be expressed through a lack of action. Any behavior I do is limited. Any vessel can only express as much light as can be contained in that vessel. So when I do put on tefillin, I'm expressing a certain divine energy... And that divine energy is limited to the shape, if you will, so to speak, of the vessel. So now that tefillin became holy, right? Or that esrog or, or whatever it is. But when I refrain from sin, it's basically the, the divine energy is so great, it's so powerful. The only way I can connect and bring God down is not through action, because this level of God... Liness. This level of revelation is so deep, action won't do it. Action will just limit it. It has to be just through stepping back and let the revelation happen. Okay. Step back and let the revelation happen. Step back, <clears throat> don't sin. It's through not doing. What would be a parallel for this in relationships, in interpersonal relationships? Parallel in a, in a personal relationship. There's what I do for you. In a relationship, right? In a you husband, might, and then there's there's what I don't do for you. Let's so, just so let's not I, even. In other words, you don't like me because of what I do for you. You just like me for me, and it's not what I do. I could just be quiet. I could just step step back, and let you in my life. And that's kind of what we're doing with a with a sin. We're not bringing God in our life because if if it's measured according to how we can bring Him, it's the it's defined. It's limited. A sin or refraining from sin means. I'm going to actively not do something to create more unlimited room. It's unlimited because it's represented in what I don't do, which has no what? limits. There's no limit to what I can't do, right? I, I, <laughs> I, can, I, I can not do to no end, which is an unlimited question. relationship. Um, this, this is speaking of refraining from um, doing a sort of positive and negative commandments. Thou shalt not kill. So this be refraining from the negative commandment, right? Yeah, another... But, but what about if I refrain from doing a, uh, a positive, like I'm supposed to put on tefillin in the morning, but one day I don't feel like doing it, so I don't put it on the tefillin. Um, however, if I have that feeling that I don't want to put on the tefillin, and I resist not, not putting on the tefillin... Interesting. So, so, so on what you've done is you, you've challenged yourself, you've, you've resisted your Yetzirah. 
but it's not the same thing as resisting a sin. The, the actual, in other words, at the end of the day, you, you brought God down into this world through your action. But when you bring God down to this world through not sinning, so it's not your action, the, the, that, it's not your, your that, blah, blah, blah. that revelation of God is so deep that the only way to get him is through something unlimited. And you could not do to no end. There's no limit to how much you could not do. Right? We can all do nothing to no end. <laughs> it's such a deep relationship. It's getting out of the way and just letting God in. And that's what happens. That's the opportunity sin gives us. I like it. Which is likely... I haven't seen this anymore, but it makes sense to me in my mind. Well, it's likely why to, do a, to prevent a sin, you have to spend all your money. Whereas to do a mitzvah, you have to spend some of your money. Because in, in Judaism, something's true on one level, it's true on all levels. So if it's true halachically, it has to be true spiritually, and vice versa. If it's true spiritually, it has to be true halachically. Scientifically, everything. It has to go all the way through. Okay. I have a quick question, completely unrelated, but is the uh, light above spinning? It is. Ever so slightly with the heater running. Oh, that's why. Okay. You're, you're missing a disco shadow. part. No, it's our disco. <laughs> it's the disco. Tanya disco. <laughs> the disco ball. <laughs> I keep seeing it on the wall behind you. I see the shadow moving. It's, I was wondering, is it turning? You have too There's many megapixels. Okay. So, when a person sins, let's say a person, God forbid, did do the sin. <clears throat> Why would they be worse than the cliff itself? Like you said, Mike, earlier, you became the channel to bring down the clippa here. The clippa was existent, and now, through sin, we made it relevant, personal. Yeah. Um, we, we strengthened the negativity in the world. So I have to admit, like when I read this, it, part, parts of it didn't. I didn't understand it. Um, okay. And the, the, the part that I struggled to understand was they were, they were trying to make a distinction between the Kalipa, um, uh, the, the, the Kalipa um, distinct, distancing, yeah, sorry, distancing itself from Hashem, but still knowing that Hashem exists and therefore would never go against God's will. Okay. Right, so it, it, that's why I was saying it's like it's it's sitting there with the potential to do wrong, but it doesn't do it because it will never go against God's will. Whereas we, in other words, Klipa itself, why is it bad? In and of itself, doesn't seem to be bad because it's potential to be bad. Well, well, let let's take a step back. What is Klipa? Well, Klipa is shell. that that shell. It's that shell, right? A shell hides the fruit, or a peel hides the fruit. Shell hides what's in it. Klipa is this energy that, kind of like this delusional spirit, that makes us, that hides God. And instead of seeing God, that gives vitality to a world, we see a world that hides God. And that's thanks to Klipa. But... Klippa's not doing anything wrong. The fact that Klippa's hiding God, who told Klippa to do that? Who created Klippa? Klippa does. Hashem. God, right? That's what Klippa does. He created it. Yeah. So, is Klippa... So, so there's two reasons why a sinner is worse than the Klippa itself. Number one, Klippa is a theoretical divine energy that hides God. When we do a sin, we actually became the body for that divine energy. For I that finally soul. found the word I was looking for. Passive. So Kalipa is like this passive... Passive is, is an interesting uh, word. It's, it's, it's like this, it's this passive existence of a concept that we, we as humans can, can choose to activate or push aside, right? So, so if we activate this passive Kalipa, that that's, makes that's us the instigator. 
I like it. That makes us the instigator. That's we're the one that's activated that, that passive Kalipa. That, that's a very good way to put it. We're, we're instigating an activation. Which means what we're doing, another reason why we're worse than Kalipa is because we're actually rebelling. Right. So the Kalipa, what's wrong with Kalipa, bottom line, Get me worms are good. <laughs> what's bottom line? What's wrong with Klippa? What does faith in God mean? That's really what it boils down to. Faith in God means what it really means is not just that God exists, but His existence is all encompassing. He is everything. He's not just in the heaven, in the heaven, in the heavens, but He's omnipresent. He's not just up there. Klippa says, no, we're hiding Him. And gives us the illusion that he's up there. But he still exists. And still has a will that Klippa won't defy. Because it was created by God. When we sin, we're taking Klippa to the next level. We're not just saying that God is irrelevant and not omnipresent. And not the only existence. What we're also saying is he's irrelevant. And that what he says doesn't even matter. Not only is he not the only true existence, he doesn't matter, he's irrelevant. Proof? I'm doing something he doesn't want. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. And I think our text too, actually, will help clear, will, will, um, can, actually drives that point home. And j just to recap the two points. But let's recap before we read this text. Klippa is... A divine energy that hides God. We activate it by manifesting in this world through sin. Klippa knows that there's a God, but gives the illusion that it's not the only true existence, and there's a whole world out there. But at least to Klippa, God is relevant, because it's not going to go against God. And the example the Altered ever brought was Bilam, who wanted to curse the Jews, but couldn't, because God didn't say I could. He simply blessed us. He simply blessed us, right? Because even though he didn't, even though he was the ultimate klepa, he's still doing what God wants. Us, however, when we sin, we're not only rejecting the unity of God, we're rejecting his existence, indicating that his commandments are irrelevant to us. And here, here's uh, a, a text. We'll go to text two. And I, I think it brings out this point. And... Don't let the negativity scare you away, but it's a <laughs> that we're about to read. It's it's a quote from the Talmud, from the Tosefta. Tosefta is basically a collection of from authors of the Mishnah um, throughout the Talmud. Uh, Mike, you want to read for us? Sure, but what is, what? Why is it tied to Shavuos? So it's from the tractate of Shavuos. Okay. Which has nothing to do with Shavuos. So this, what we're about to talk about it is not specific to Shavuos, it's just when it was discussed. Nor is the whole tractate specific to Shavuos. Got it. Okay. Shavuos means pro, uh, oaths. Huh? Shavuos means oaths. Okay. Like a Shavua, an oath. Yeah, yeah. So it's the tractate that has to do with oaths. Got it. But, has, okay. but that, it's also irrelevant to what we're going to read. <laughs> it's just the name of the tractate. Okay. <laughs> All right. One time, Rev. Reuven was residing in Tiberias. Uh, I'm not going to get that one right. Plus, plus, I think it's a Greek someone. Okay. Encountered him and asked, Who is considered to be hated in this world? He responded, One who denies his creator, God. So notice the bold. We'll get back to that in a second. Okay. To whom does that refer? One who transgresses the commandments of honor your father, do not murder, do not engage in adultery, do not steal, do not bear false testimony. Do not covet. When a person defies a detail, it is an indication that he defies something more fundamental. When a person sins, he defies not only the commandment, but the commander. Okay, thank you. So take a notice to the examples of sins that he brought. These are obviously just examples that would apply to any sin. All of these are commandments between man and man, not man and God. Right? right? Yet, the fine commandment between man and man still defies God. Because if you go against a commandment, you're really just going against the commander. Mm -hmm. When a person defies a detail, 
he's actually defying something more fundamental in that faith, in his faith. Um, how, how does that tie back to what we're saying? The fact that we are transgressing what God wants, we're not just simply doing something, we're not just simply transgressing a sin, we're transgressing Him. We're deeming Him irrelevant. And the Klippa, although they don't see him as the only existence, they at least see him as relevant. But us, if we sin, we're deeming him irrelevant. Because if his commandment doesn't matter, it's because the commander doesn't matter. Just in a nutshell, we're much, we're much, a sin is much worse than Klippa. Now conversely, doing the sin... Refraining from sin is much greater than a mitzvah, right? Every, the world, God created the world in this perfect symmetry, as we said. What enables all of this to happen? How does this happen? How does this clip all, all exist? How does this drive to sin? This drive to manifest negative energy that really hides God? In, where does this all come from? How can this happen? The Alter Rebbe spelled it out on page 270. Um, 270, the last bold paragraph. In this sense, the prohibitions are like the Sitra Achwen Klippa, which are called idolatry and other gods. Now here's the key word, what we're about to say. Since their existence is a product of the hiding of God's face an eclipse of the divine will, as mentioned above in chapter 22. In chapter 22, we spoke elaborately about tzimtzum, the fact that God hides himself, which is what enables the existence. If, if klippa is antithetical to God's existence, how could it exist? God allowed it to exist by hiding himself. And we discussed this idea in great length that basically God hides himself, enabling the world to exist. Were he to not hide himself, he wouldn't be able to exist. Nothing else could exist. Hmm. Right? Existence as we know it can only exist because God made room for us by hiding himself. Um, the fact that he hid himself now enables us to be able to sin, enables us the opportunity to choose not to, but it's just because he's hiding, right? We mentioned several times the, the famous axiom, if you will, of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Bardichev. He used to say, God, you put all the... You, you know, if, if all the lusts were in books and we'd read about lust and the truth of existence and purpose and meaning and life and godliness was out in front of our eyes, that's what we'd be passionate about. Right. But God, you hid yourself in a book. And now the lust is in front of our eyes, and it's not fair. But that's just the way it is. God hides himself. Were we to see God, were we to peek beyond that symptom, peek through that symptom, a little inspiration, right? It would be so clear to us, and it wouldn't be, I'm going to refrain from sin, it would be, how could I sin? Several parshas ago, Yosef is sold into Egypt. And he becomes friendly, he becomes high up there in Potiphar, in Potiphar's um, house, becomes a servant of Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife is after Yosef wants him and she tries on several several times to seduce him and the Torah says no he didn't go for it it says en. he really wanted to the, the, the drive the urge was so strong it says en, and he refused and if you look in the cantillation notes on the trap there's there's, there's the Shalshelet truck. Familiar with the Shalshelet? Yes. Three times, or, or, or it's nine, It's three sets of ten. Yeah, I remember something about there's conflict. 
like that that shalshalot's used to identify moments of great conflict. Yes. Yeah. Shalshalot appears only three times in the Torah. That was four. Four? Could be four. That was four. appears only four times in the... I, okay, I thought it was three. But okay, either three or four times in the Torah. My math is not that good. <laughs> Shalshalot appears very few times in the Torah. There we go. It covers it. Less than a handful of times. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and that one time is great significance. Describing Yosef's struggle, he really wanted to. What stopped him? His faith in Hashem. His faith in Hashem, but what inspired him? So the Talmud says that he was actually about to go for it. He was so ready. Because the urge, the lust, the str- it was just... He looked up and he saw an image of his father. An image of his father appeared to him. This is what the Talmud says. And he said, I can't do it. I can't. Just such clarity that he had. This is so much against everything he stands for, against his values, against his mission, against everything. Once he saw that image, he was so clear. I I cannot. I can't do it. God hides himself, enables there to be an existence of klipa, Enables there to be an existence of lust and drive to sin. But if we can have that peak of clarity, clarity, that we may not see Yaakov's image, we might not see God, but we can at least have that faith and be inspired somehow and awaken our souls and we won't want to sin. Every day in davening, in the, in the blessings of Kriya Shema, the Shema, right before the Shema, we say, Velo nevosh. What is Velo nevosh? We say, God, please don't let us be embarrassed. And the simple meaning, the literal meaning of that, um, the li- sorry, the literal meaning of Velo nevosh, may we not be ashamed, is and it empowers us to be able to do the mitzvahs without being ashamed in front of other people. Right? Like it says in Perkei Avot, be bold as a leopard, let us just do what we gotta do. The Al Chirebim in Lukutei Torah, which is where uh, another collection of his discourses on the Parsha, has a deeper meaning to what that. What does that mean? We shouldn't be embarrassed. Not that we shouldn't be embarrassed in front of people. We're saying, God, we shouldn't be embarrassed in front of you. And it fits very well with our context here. Text three. On our sheets here, Lukutei from Lukutei Torah. Text three. Who'd like to be our reader? Okay, go for it. You're going to need a microscope. <laughs> yeah. Um, expanding it now. Uh, advice for return for one who has blemished his soul and transgressed with his heart being drawn, being drawn toward feelings of arrogance. He should realize how he has neglected to realize the all-encompassing presence of God, which is a shameful experience. Thus we pray every day, may, may we not be brought to shame by neglecting to realize God's presence. This can be likened to a person who has been walking around naked, thinking that nobody sees him. When he then notices that people see him, he becomes ashamed. This is even more so when we realize the presence of God. Okay, thank you. So imagine God hides himself, all of a sudden there's clip and we're open to sinning. But if we realize that God's not really hiding... He could see us, right? If we realize that the mirror result, it, the walls are only one way. <laughs> it's tinted glass, right? The, the example that we gave when we discussed chapter 22 was that God is never really hiding himself. It's really our perspective. And we brought the halacha and shulchan aruch that when a person uses his hand as a yarmulke, he's not really hiding himself because it's him. Right. If everything is God, then whatever is hiding him is really him. He's not really hiding. It's an illusion. And if we could realize that God sees us, we can muster up that respect for him, that fear of him, that feeling his presence, we wouldn't sin because he's not really hiding. Right? When we walk around naked, realize, no, he's actually walking, watching us. And I don't think, I mean that figuratively, when we're doing something, we shouldn't. And we have that realization that what enables, what enables us to do this sin is the fact that he's hiding, 
But that's from our perspective. From his perspective, he's very much present, very much involved in our lives. We're not going to sin. Let's take a look on text four. Text four, again, just to illustrate this idea that if we're aware that he's not really hiding, we wouldn't sin. It's only because he's hiding. Those two words in the Tanya, it's only because of God hiding in his face that enables all this to happen. Were we to not hide or were we to realize that he's not really hidden, it wouldn't happen. Let's take a look on text four. Well, uh, just one quick thought. Now. Mm -hmm. I, um, when, uh, when we do um, the Shemot Esrei, we're not supposed to talk even if somebody's even somebody important comes to us we're supposed to have an image of we're we're in front of the king in front of the king and if the king if we could see the king we would really take that to heart but because the king is hidden exactly yeah. exactly in fact so so to, to touch on the semantics of a word because sometimes okay. uh sometimes it gets stuck on the words and maybe i shouldn't but like you're saying, you know, you just said, okay, it's it's because um, it's because uh, we're not seeing God's face at a particular moment that it it enables uh, us to um, not do God's will. Enable doesn't seem to be the right word because it it almost is like when I think about enable, it's like it, it's it's it. It gives energy, um, you know, enabling. Well, it gives room, I should say. Hmm? Gives room. It it, it allows it, it allows for, but it does, you know. Okay, it, it's not not that it's permissible. Is that what is that what you're well, saying? Well, it, it, it's not. It's not. It's not like I'm thinking this is permissible, but it's like it's like giving energy towards because I, I it, it's it's um it's. I I like to think of it as like, when when we're. Uh, when we're doing God's will, we're 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 receiving this energy, this this positive energy from God. But that when you know, if, in a moment when we're not doing God's will, we're not receiving negative energy from God. We're receiving an absent. Oh, sorry, we're, there's an absence of God's energy. Well, at least in a revealed way, because because everything that exists is from Him. Right, right. Um, but. So enable, what word would you use? I, I, don't, I don't know, but I'm just trying to make sure I really am understanding the, the concept. Because, yes, every everything is from God. Therefore, God has to provide that energy. But it's not like his full-faced energy. When you're doing something wrong, you're seeing God's, you know, behind, right? Um, which, if he wasn't hiding, the negativity wouldn't happen. Wouldn't exist. When when he's hiding, we we delude ourselves into. In other words, we're we're delusional because he's hiding. Yeah. Hiding on a global sense, hiding on a soul sense. Right. If it wasn't hiding, if he wasn't hiding, we would have total clarity. We wouldn't have faith. We'd have clarity. True. True. Which gives room to sin, which enables sin, which which um I don't know what the word is. I mean, let's so I, I, let's see what I, he says here. Like, I, 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 um, he says there exists like the, uh, allows for or gives room for as opposed to like enabling almost it's like he's an active participant in it you know like like you're you're enabling somebody or you're, you're like you know gi giving them the tools to do something right and that that's why I, that's why I don't really like that word um, okay I see but uh, but allowing for uh, uh, that that seems more in line with. Uh, I think what we're trying to convey here as far as well, it's, the it's, message. It's giving you, uh, he hides himself because if he did, then you wouldn't have free will. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. It, 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 that, so that, that would, that would be enabling. It's enabling opportunity. Yeah. Opportunity to make the right choice. But let's take a look in the, in the Talmud here. Text four from Tractate Brachus 28b. When Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai fell ill, his students entered to visit him. His students said to him, Our teacher, bless us. He was on his deathbed, so they wanted a blessing. He said to them, May it be his will, God's will, that the fear of heaven shall be upon you like the fear of flesh and blood. You should fear God like you fear people, in other words. 
They were surprised. His students were puzzled and said, To that point and not beyond? Shouldn't one fear God more? <laughs> we should fear God like we fear people? Doesn't God deserve a little bit more credit than that? <laughs> he said to them, Would that a person achieve that level of fear? In other words, at least that. <laughs> That's what he meant to say. Yeah. Know that when one commits a transgression, he says to himself, I hope that no man will see me. Right? Nobody wants to sin in public. But to God, it's always public. He's everywhere. If one was concerned about avoiding shame before God as he was before man, he would never sin. If we realize that God is like a person watching us, obviously even more than that, but at least, if we realize that he's not really hiding, that sin would never happen. And we'll conclude with this idea which is um, discussed in actually chapter 41 of Tanya. Chapter 41, page 496. This is a very important passage in Tanya. And actually, so this is from, in the, in the original Tanya, it's like the first 10, 12 lines of Tanya. And the Rebbe actually encouraged people to memorize this section of Tanya, these 12 lines by heart. And, and, and especially this, particularly this verse. I found it. You got it. This is the one, right? And look, God yes. is standing over you. So is that where we were going? You got it. Go for it. <laughs> it's popping right out at you. <laughs> it did. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, it's like third paragraph from the bottom. Yeah. And look, God is standing over you. And all the earth is filled with his glory. And he's watching you. He's checking your inclinations and heart to see if you're worshiping him properly. Okay. So if we always realized how present he is, if we realized how relevant he is, despite the fact that he's hiding, the klippa wouldn't exist. At least not in our minds. And on a global sense, if he wasn't hiding, the klippa for sure wouldn't exist. Yeah. Okay, next week we'll get into the delusional spirit, and we're going to tie this back into the whole series, uh, the, the whole um, puzzle that we started with chapter 18, our innate love for God. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Awesome. Oh, I want to show you what I got.